Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... What's up, guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls, episode number 56. My name is James Scully. Happy May. Today, I present to you an exclusive look at mummies, an exhibit currently at the American Museum of Natural History until January of 2018. I was recently lucky to be part of a press-only pre-opening event for mummies. At the event, I got to hear the words of Ellen V. Footer, President of the Museum and Senior Vice President and Paleontology Curator Michael Novacek, as well as Curator and Mummy Co-Creator David Hurst Thomas. And you'll get to hear them too. Before I go on, I just want to say that if this is the first time you're listening to Breaking Walls and would like to subscribe, please do so at iTunes by searching for Breaking Walls, and you can also do so on SoundCloud by going to at the Wallbreakers. To check out our line of New York City Unity t-shirts, please go to jamesthewallbreaker.com shop. These are typographic t-shirts that use the slang name of the five boroughs of New York City to help show unity amongst all New Yorkers far and near. For those who understand, no explanation is necessary. For those who do not understand, unfortunately, no explanation is possible. And we, the Wallbreakers, we're on all social media outlets at the Wallbreakers, and we're on the web at thewallbreakers.com. Did you know that the month of May is named in honor of the ancient Greek goddess Maya, the daughter of Atlas and Pliony, lover of Zeus and the mother of Hermes? Did you know that May's birthstone is the emerald, whose name originates from the ancient Greek smargatos, which stands for green gem? And the main flower of May is the lily of the valley, which in ancient Christianity was known as Our Lady's Tears because of the flower's teardrop shape, and it's also in honor of both the Virgin Mary and Jesus Christ's second coming. Why do I bring this up? Because on Breaking Walls, May's theme is remembrance. Throughout history in May, people have celebrated and mourned the creation of new life and the loss of old life. This month occurs at a point in the year in which the earth is in transition. In the northern hemisphere, where I live, May is a spring month, And it's the reverse in the autumn in the Southern Hemisphere. Even in America, though there is mourning at the core of Memorial Day, it's not just the memory of those people and places important to us that we've lost that we honor. It's also about remembering our true nature and what makes life itself most important. Have you ever looked at a mummy up close? I don't just mean seeing the outside of a sarcophagus. I mean the chance to see a human being up close that was laid to rest 3,000 years ago. I was able to do so, and you can as well, at Mummies. This new exhibit features one of the largest collections of mummies housed in North America and provides an unparalleled glimpse into the lives and traditions of people from the cultures of the past, specifically 18 peoples of ancient Egypt and pre-Columbian Peru. 
Many of the mummies on display at this exhibition have not been publicly shown since the Chicago World's Fair of 1893. Thanks to modern imaging techniques, visitors can better study mummification, virtually peer into mummy bundles, and handle 3D printed figurines of burial goods that were encased inside mummy wrappings for millennia and only recently revealed. mind. Forget subway tunnels and forget crowded rush hour streets. Remember a time before, a time when the banks of the Nile flowed right by the great pyramids at Giza, a time when fish and fowl and sand and love were in abundance, a time when the meaning of life was simpler and our sense of purpose wasn't questioned. Who are we? What is important to us? What legacy do we want to leave? What legacy will get left? When researchers uncover a tomb, they step back into the past, to the moment of a burial. This exhibit teaches us more about these ancient people's cultures in new technological ways. Here is the president of the American Museum of Natural History, Ellen V. Footer, speaking at the Mummies exhibition opening about the exhibit. including two very different ancient worlds, cultures, and burial practices, and onto the latest imaging technology used to study them. Perhaps most thrillingly in the show, we offer a glimpse of the actual people entombed as mummies, who they were, what their lives were like, and even what they may have looked like, all possible through the latest technology. In this exhibition, we examine two regions that practice mummification of their dead. Ancient Egypt, which is of course better known, and actually predating Egypt by hundreds of years, pre-Columbian Peru, where scientists believe mummification was first practiced. 
The exhibition comes to us from the Field Museum in Chicago and showcases that institution's truly extraordinary collection of Egyptian and Peruvian mummies, and we are very pleased to have with us today our colleagues from the field, Ryan Williams and James Phillips, co-curators of the exhibition. Thank you. So where then do the stereotypes of mummies as horror stories come from? From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Jimmy Sayer at Inter-Allied Life, Johnny. Oh, hi, Jim. How are you? The way I feel now, the way I'm going to feel depends on you. Okay, let's have it. Remember a guy named King Tut? Egyptian mummy they dug out of a tomb full of treasure a few years ago. That's right. Well, don't tell me you held a policy on him now, Jim. <laughs> oh, seriously, now. You'll also remember there was supposed to be a curse on anybody who molested his tomb. Yeah, supposed to be. But, of course, anybody knows that stuff's a lot of malarkey. Is it? Isn't it? Better reserve judgment, Johnny. Until you hear about the curse of Kamashek. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventure... The curse of the pharaohs refers to an alleged curse cast upon any person who disturbs the mummy of an ancient Egyptian person, especially a pharaoh. If a curse does exist, modern theorists and scientists hypothesize that it could come from ancient bacteria or long-buried radiation which modern explorers come fatally into contact with when they breach this sealed tomb. Here's Michael Novacek and David Hurst Thomas at the exhibition opening. So Dave, mummies, how do you define a mummy? Um, well, the movies have already done a pretty good job defining them. We've got your werewolves and your other monsters, and you got your mummies. And the difference is the mummies are real, and that's what our show is about. Mummies come in two flavors. Uh, for years and years, as long as I can remember here at the American Museum, right down this hall and to the left, we've got a dinosaur mummy that's one of my favorite things in the museum. A dinosaur mummy, 65 million years old. How does that happen? Well, it happens that it defines mummy. You know, it's a natural process just to decay. That's what animals do when life ceases. And that's what happens to most of them. But once in a while, there's a weird process that interrupts that. So the dinosaur down the hall here, something happened and the skin preserved and it was a remarkable event. That's a natural mummy. In our show, the oldest mummy that's in the show is also a natural mummy from dynastic Egypt. She's probably uh, coming on 5,000 years old. She's also one of the oldest people in the show. She was simply buried out in the Egyptian desert and natural processes took over. So she is in the show. She's wonderfully preserved. So those are natural mummies. But the show is about let's go beyond the movie caricatures of mummies these are deliberately preserved for an afterlife, and we know a great deal about how the Egyptian ones are preserved, but cultural mummies were produced on all continents except Antarctica, and it's those cultural processes. You've got dynastic Egypt, you've got ancient Peru. Both were fascinated with the process of mummification of something bigger for their dead, and that's what the show our modern theatrical sense of mummy curses originates in 1922 from a fatal mosquito bite suffered by Lord Carnarvon, the financial backer of King Tutankhamun's excavation. After his death, 
from blood poisoning, celebrated novelist Marie Corelli wrote a letter published by the New York World claiming that dire punishment will be afflicted by all those who visit any sealed tombs. Fellow spiritualist and author Sir Arthur Conan Doyle also publicly speculated that Lord Carnarvon had been killed by elementals created by King Tutankhamun's priests to guard the royal tomb. A media frenzy obviously exploded in the newspapers and soon was picked up by film and radio. If you haven't noticed, Tom Cruise has a movie coming out in June, a mummy movie. And that's going to be while our show is running. We're already starting to get some inquiries about that. Here we've got a very unhappy woman who is buried out, out in, the, in the arid desert and she comes back and makes life miserable for Tom Cruise and his friends. And the question we're getting is with all the classic Lon Chaney uh, rolling over in his sarcophagus, we all know mummies are male, right? Uh, they're, the, they're the terrorists of the past. And the questions are, is it legitimate for Tom Cruise to be in a movie and chased around by a 3,000-year-old female? Come to the show, and what you're going to see is it turns out that the gender balance in the show is roughly 50-50, uh, and the female Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. Welcome to the world of terrifying imagination to the fear you can hear. For the four centuries before Christ, a remarkable combination of priests and monarchs established one of the most astonishing cultures in the world. The rulers were the pharaohs of Egypt, and they left an enduring series of monuments behind them. The Sphinx, the pyramids, the temples of Karnak and Luxor, and most strange of all, their mummified remains, embalmed by a process lost to modern science. This is the story of one such mummy, and the eternal curse she left to be visited on any violator of her tomb. While the curators of mummies have a good sense of humor about the history of mummy dramas, the most dramatic part about this exhibition happens in real life thanks to the Natural History Museum's microscopy and imaging facility, which uses advancing technology to make it possible to examine minute details on these ancient bodies without damaging them. Until this exhibition, some of the specimens in it have not been on public review for more than a hundred years since Chicago's World's Fair in 1893. So we are very excited to be able to share them with our visitors. While mummification is about preservation, after all, these mummies remain with us this day, it has always been difficult to uncover the secrets inside them. Difficult, that is, while preserving their integrity and condition. Until now. Today's revolution in imaging technology, including methods commonly associated with medicine, such as CT scanning, is enabling researchers to see inside in a non-invasive way without damage or destruction to the mummies themselves. The confluence of 21st century technology and mummies is yielding fascinating information about these ancient cultures 
and has heralded an exciting new era of discovery related to mummies. The exhibition will show why mummification was done. In Egypt, for instance, it was meant to ensure passage to the afterlife and immortality. In Peru, it was done to honor the dead and maintain a connection to beloved ancestors. Visitors will learn about the different methods of mummification in these two distinct cultures, how the corpse was adorned or what may have been buried along with the person. Mummified animals, for instance, such as a remarkable crocodile mummy shown in the exhibition, as well as items like musical instruments, fishing nets, which offer important clues to the unique personal life of the deceased. And with the benefit of new technology, visitors will be able to virtually unwrap and see inside a mummy bundle in an interactive exhibit. Perhaps most remarkably, if you may have noted what we just showed, visitors will come face to face with scientific reconstructions of the likenesses of the actual people represented by these mummies. Messengers from a different time who are ultimately our sisters and brothers in shared humanity. In short, while mummies in real life and real science may not be as sensational as in the movies, we will show you that they are even more amazing than you could ever have imagined. Thanks to the power of technology and science to unlock their intriguing mysteries from our ancient past. I want to thank the museum's curatorial team responsible for the presentation here in New York, David Hurst Thomas. Not only will this technology see body form, but there's also an opportunity to actually reconstruct the original, even the facial expression and the facial features of these mummies based on the tools that we have. Yeah, as we walk through, and I, I particularly have you pay attention to the very last of the mummies as you walk out. She's called the Gilded Lady, but there is a reconstruction, and you've seen some pictures behind me here. Uh, to me, she's the showstopper. She's lying there in a gilded mask, and her skull is over in the next case, and a reconstruction of what she looks like. So we've got an image of how she wants, how the people who prepared that burial 3,000 years ago wanted her to look in eternity. Her skull is sitting there, and a reconstruction of what she actually looked like in life. But that's not really her skull. Her skull is part of her burial. What it is, is a 3D scan that's printed out on just a 3D printer. The real skull is still there, but the plastic skull you can hold in your hand and a forensic artist can work up the facial part. So it's a real challenge on reality, and the same is true as you look at the artifacts that are reconstructed and printed out. On the one hand, that's a real artifact. It shows us what things looked like in Peru, say, 4,000 years ago. But on the other hand, in that mummy bundle is that real artifact that no one has ever seen, including today, for thousands. How has the science of the study of mummification and mummies evolved? And has there been some really recent developments in looking at mummies and studying mummies with modern tools and technology? Yeah, there are really two things, and, and that hits on it, Mike, that we would like to have the visitor remember when they walk out of our mummy show. First is, as Ellen mentioned, they're going to come, the visitor comes face to face 
with mummified people of the past. I had the privilege of working with Margaret Mead when I first came to the museum, and she made quite a point that why, what is it about museums, they've got a lot of competition for the public attention, what is it about museums that will attract people in the future? And Margaret had it right. She says, as long as museums present the real thing and tell the truth about it, people will flock to museums. This show has that. We've got the real thing, and we're telling the truth about it. Both of the regions, though, we're featuring in the show, Egypt and Peru, share something in common in terms of the environment. These are dry, desert-like environments. Uh, in terms of natural mummification, why, why are these environments, these dry environments, so important to mummification as a natural process? Well, I think it is the aridity that really lights the fuse behind the importance the desiccation of the, yeah, of the remains. Yeah, they just, they naturally dry up and it's fascinating about what to do with that. But we have to remember there are other cases like in Northern Europe where the bogs are, if you throw somebody into a peat bog, they're gonna be preserved and there was a whole culture that developed around that too. In North America, we can see it in other places. We focused, this show focuses, on Egypt and Peru, I think our colleagues here at the Field Museum made a very wise choice. Everybody knows about I also Egyptian. want to make it clear that if you come to the American Museum of Natural History to see mummies, you won't just see 3D printed renderings of mummy skulls, artifacts, and modeled faces of peoples of the ancient past. You'll also have the opportunity to be no more than a foot from a semi-uncovered mummy inside a glass case. To see a mummy up close is arresting. It's no wonder so much romantic and horrific drama has been written revolving around these ancient combinations of science and spiritualism. Look at her head. That's her hair. Yeah, I know that's... That's how we wound up winding up with a wig like that. So how, how was it able to be preserved up all these centuries? It did. This, this, what you see there is a scan of what's inside there, right? This is the actual scan, and she had TB. She probably died of TB. We could tell from problems with the vertebrae over here. Then this is the reconstruction of this by Elizabeth, okay? And the end product is the woman over there. That's her. So this woman is that one. The exhibition room is quiet with thick carpeting built in to absorb the sound and onlookers are generally hushed by the visuals surrounding them. I would completely understand if you froze up or if your brain was immediately transported to the ancient Near East. Awesome. What? That mummy case. Was the cover off it last night when you looked down here? No. Why, Abe couldn't have. That lid weighs 10 tons. And we look down into the stone coffin. I hope I shall never see the like of that again. What is it? The mummy of a man. A tall man in a robe of gold cloth. Not wrapped in linen bindings, just a robe of gold cloth with strange symbols woven into the cloth. And his head. Not a man's head. The head of a hawk. No, not a mask. 
we look carefully. A man with a head of a hawk and the hawk's beak all dabbled with red. Science has changed so much in the last couple of decades. What this show does is not only do we have the reality of real mummies, but we also have a new virtual scientific reality that lets us uh, open those mummy bundles virtually and see what's in there in a non-invasive and respectful way. So the two key points are, I would, Mead also made the point, our culture protects people from our culture. We don't let very many kids see dead bodies anymore. Not many of the kids watch a birth, and Meek thought that was wrong. I would bet half the people who come to this show have never actually seen a dead body for real. Well, here's a chance to do that in a scientific matrix, and you can see this is a, show, this is a family show. There's lots to see in here but it presents ancestors in a different way. It also allows us to see what science can do. So enthralled by today's Breaking Walls mummy discussion and the now open exhibit at the Natural History Museum that you too want to become a mummy in the afterlife? Well, we've got you covered too. Well, mummification is the practice uh, still current. Is this something that happens today? Yes, it is. And Mike, if you have an urge after seeing the show, to become mummified, I can give yes. you the address of a place in Salt Lake City. Yeah, but how much does it cost? Seventy-five bucks, Mike. But you seventy-five thousand bucks. But you can afford it. What happens? There is a place that literally will mummify you in the way of your choice. You can have your own pyramid. You can design your sarcophagus and the rest. It's not selling very well, but what a number of people have done, you know, maybe that's not the deal for me, but Fido here would be a great mummy, and that's only four grand. Yeah, yeah, so, but what about in a cultural tradition? Is there anything like that going on now? I don't think so. Yeah. So I think we're about to wrap things up, and we invite you to see the show, and enjoy it, and we'll be there to answer some questions. So thanks very much. And I felt a hand on my arm and I screamed with terror. But it was a gentle hand and it led me gently away from where I stood in the dark. And I followed. I hit my head on a solid stone wall. My feet dragged as I followed whoever it was through a door that I knew couldn't be there. And a voice breathed in my ear. And I smelled cinnamon and myrrh and spike and heart. And I followed on. And soon there was a glimmering of light ahead of me, and I felt the hand release my arm, and I walked on toward the light. Then, in a little while, another little room hewn out of the solid rock, and a light burning. A little bronze lamp at the head of a mummy case of lacquered painted wood and the portrait image on the lid of the sarcophagus. The same face. The smile. And I came closer to read the inscription I knew would be there. An inscription put there so many, many years ago. I have freed 
you, Austin. Now free me. My hand went to the fastening of the lid when I looked up to the wall above. The portrait again, but with a difference. The same costume, the same jewelry, the same headdress. But the head was the head of a hawk, the head of Osiris' daughter. So I sit here, and the little bronze lamp is flickering low. No. I haven't opened the coffin. I'm afraid to. This episode of Breaking Walls featured music by Ali Jihad Rasi and Michael Atherton. Additional voices in today's episode are thanks to Bob Bailey, Ernest Chappell, Lawrence Dobkin, and E.G. Marshall. To see mummies, please go to the American Museum of Natural History, which is located at the corner of Central Park West and 79th Street. It's open daily from 10 a.m. to 5.45 p.m., except for Christmas and Thanksgiving. The nearest train line is the 81st Street IND stop, which is served by the B and C trains. I would like to thank the Museum of Natural History for granting me access to the opening of the Mummies exhibition, and would also like to thank Ellen V. Footer, Michael Novacek, and David Hurst Thomas for their insights that we got to hear today. As I mentioned on the open, if you've got this podcast via thewallbreakers.com or some other web means and would like to subscribe, you can do so via iTunes by searching for Breaking Walls and via SoundCloud at The Wallbreakers. The Wallbreakers Unity t-shirt line is available at jamesthewallbreaker.com slash shop. Please remember, as we enter May, the month of remembrance, that no matter somber or elated, no matter scientific or spiritual, keep getting out there and keep breaking those walls. Connection is what carries us through the millennia. My name is James Scully. This has been Breaking Walls, episode number 56. And until next time, I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much.
This is WBBN, the Wallbreakers Broadcasting Network. Thank you, and good afternoon.